Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Inside Carolina podcast on the beat live on Inside Carolina's YouTube channel. Appreciate everybody joining us. We're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. All right, guys. Uh, Adam, I'm gonna start with you first because um, it seems like you brought some, brought some drama with you when you came uh, to Inside Carolina. I mean, you were supposed to bring a defense. You were supposed to bring a defense from Burlington. I didn't know that was in the contract. That was in the contract. You didn't read it. You got to read the contract seriously. Have we seen anything like we saw Saturday? And let's talk about what needs to change for it to get better. Adam, I'll let you try to piece it together first. I mean, we could go a whole hour on this, couldn't we? Um, you know, everything needs to get better. I mean, jeez, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, I, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that. I mean, you remember the the ECU game where Lincoln Riley dropped seventy. You know, it was rough in McNeil's team, and Lincoln Riley's offense dropped seventy on UNC back in the day. That was obviously a loss. What most points Carolina's ever given up and won a game. Um, most points Carolina's ever allowed in a fourth quarter, ever, ever, ever. Um, most points Gene Chizik has ever allowed in a quarter, he said. Um, you know, Gene talked to us the other day for uh, – I was just uh, listening to him as I was going back through the transcription. 21 minutes, you know, and I was thinking uh, – we talked to Tony Grimes today. We talked to Cayman Rucker today. We talked to Cam Kelly today. We talked to Gene yesterday. You know, everyone's, everyone says the right things. You know, everyone – has all the right things to say. We're gonna we're gonna get to work. We're gonna fix this. Um, you know, uh, Gene was saying, you know, there's there's absolutely no one who's not bought in. Um, Tony Grimes was saying everyone is supremely confident. And um, but yeah, that was uh, that was a train wreck in the fourth quarter. Um, it was it was a hard one. I mean, Carolina took a 41-21 lead into the into the fourth quarter. It kind of looked like they might. You know, walk the dog on them there uh, to finish the game. And then it just went all sorts of sideways. There's got to be a Tweetsie Railroad reference here I'm not making. Oh, absolutely. Vip, you were down there on the sidelines for most of it. Um, perfect view of what was going on. I mean, you and I thought it was over after they stopped the first uh, two-point conversion. But in talking – in listening to Chiswick, listening to Mac, I mean, Mac's like we won. That's the number one thing, and he's right. Um, but what was concerning to me, and, and I want your take, and, and you talked to EJ and Mike and folks that didn't listen, need to go back and listen to that, but there's too much talent on this team for them to look as bad as they did. And it's not 
it wasn't even as bad as a, a collective bad. It was terrible collectively, but there was a lot of bad individual plays mixed in there. Um, just how after sort of absorbing it for three days now and listening to everything post-mortem, where are we? I mean, is it fixable? Yeah, you, you mentioned how we thought the game was over after that first two-point conversion. I thought it was over at that point. It was, was basically tweeting it out at that point. The, the game's over. Carolina survives. Then Bryson Nesbitt returns the kick, and there's 30 seconds left. And I'm with the way the defense was playing, I don't think anybody in that building thought that Carolina's defense was going to get a stop and that this game was inevitably going to go to overtime. And then if it goes to overtime, you know, let the best team win. That's that's the feeling I got. And we could say that we've never seen anything quite like that game before, but this is this is probably coming up on about the 10th year where we've seen this formula where Carolina has an offense that's ready to contend for a conference title and a defense that is nowhere even close. Um, I think people bought into a lot of the things that the coaches were saying in the, in the preseason with the, and then we had like limited chances to see the team in practice. Adam, you could speak from, from what you've seen in practice in in the times we were allowed to go there. The defense has never looked this bad. It's never been this jarring. And I think that's, that's probably what the coaches are seeing on, on an everyday basis, that it's a defense that is not getting gashed and then they're getting to the game day. And once, once everything's going live there, there's some kind of disconnect going on and you, you could see the, the article uh, that Greg posted today about Carolina's defense, where by all reports, all sources, Jay Bateman was going to stay as Carolina's defensive coordinator. He said, I want an entirely new defensive staff. I, I think I'm, I need a defensive staff to take the defense to where the, uh, where everybody kind of wants Carolina to go. Mac Brown said no to that, wanted to keep his guys. Jay Bateman leaves. Coach Chizik comes in. All the defensive coaches stay the same, and, and you're seeing a defense that's worse now. Um, and I, I think it's, it's a lot of people looking around in the building not sure what's going on and and how to fix it. So I I think that's the the most concerning part because you're hearing all the players, we're going to get back to work, we're embarrassed, this leaves a bad taste in our mouth, but this we're on we're on year 4 now of of getting no answers and having a defense that looks even somewhat comparable to an offense that it, it's it's a top 25 offense every year. Yeah, I mean, I saw somebody said they never gave Sam Howell a defense. They've got to figure out how to give Drake May one. Uh, you know, you can read between the lines with what's going on here, but Adam, just, just looking at it on its face, I mean, if you change the top and it's still the same, the players have gotten better. Let me get your take and your opinion. You've been inside this for many years. Um, let me put you on the spot. I mean, guys say the right things. And – Noah Taylor made a great play in that game, but Cayman Rucker saved Carolina's butt because he scores the two-point conversion if if Cayman Rucker didn't clean it up because he's about to stick the ball out. So you got one player standing up and making one play and saving a – I mean, I, I wouldn't even be able to imagine the inside Carolina meltdown. Um, but where are we? 
in, in your opinion? I mean, this cannot continue. It cannot continue. Uh, Georgia State on Saturday and then Notre Dame coming to town in two weeks. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I'm getting – I feel like I'm going to have to be in a point-counterpoint here. So am I going to try to have to take the positives while, you know, Vip rips them? That's fine with me. So we have a nice debate. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm cool. Good cop, bad cop. You're right. Like, I mean, we can't just all agree here. That's like, you know, the Skip Bayless and Stephen A, were they always agreeing? You know, like, you know, people turn the channel. Uh, no, well, I was just to, to to clarify what you were saying, Tommy. I mean, uh, we I, we have heard a lot about how um, when things went so wrong and it was complete chaos and Gene Chizik used the word implosion and a perfect storm also. Uh, that still, when the game was on the line and a play had to be made, a play was made. And and what you were saying, if Cayman Rucker hadn't been there, Noah Taylor did play it right, too. I don't know if Vip knows you know, the, the, the correct terminology. They say he surfed. You know, he surfed down the line, I guess, and was able to you know corral Chase Bryce, slow him down. And then, as Cedric Gray said, Cayman Rucker came and put the nail in the coffin there. Um, and Rucker was kind of hilarious today talking about how he – wasn't sure if he should celebrate or not because he knew Bryce was trying to stick the ball out and he was just praying that, you know, he hadn't gotten the ball across the goal line on that two-point conversion. How about the two-point conversion with 31 seconds left? I mean, that was to take the lead and the play was open. And, you know, I think, um, you know, it was Deshaun Davis, who's App State's smallest receiver at like 5'9". I mean, Bryce just overthrew him. I don't know if Davis didn't time his jump right, you know, but, like, that was a just a nightmare waiting to happen right there. It seemed like that ball was in the air forever. You know, Bryce put a little air under it. Um, UNC was lucky there. And then the next thing you know, Bryson Nesbitt's going down the sideline. Uh, and people are pouring off the sideline. When, when Vip was saying uh, with uh, however much time it was that, that no one believed Carolina's defense could stop him, we know what helped happen in that situation was the – Unsportsmanlike penalty, you know, the 15 yarder got him going in the right direction again. But, uh, you know, I mean, okay, if we're going to, if we'll do point counterpoint, what I would say to what you asked, Tommy, is, I mean, what they're all saying over at the building is that there's only, you know, we're two games into this thing and UNC is two and oh, they haven't lost a game. Uh, granted, I know you played an FCS team and a group of five team, um, and got another group of five on the road this week, but, um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's so funny if you think think about what we've been talking about like two, three weeks ago, how there's going to be a first-time starter at quarterback, a whole bunch of young guys at receiver and running back, but Carolina might have to lean on their defense for a while. Uh, yeah, I mean, here we are a couple weeks later. It's completely flipped on its head. Yeah, I have two stats to underline the chaos that we saw on Saturday. Ten total touchdowns were scored in the fourth quarter between North Carolina and App State. That's 62 total points scored, the most in a fourth quarter in FBS history. So, Adam, it's not just UNC history. This is FBS football history. And then the second of the two stats, uh, the 124 points scored were the most ever in a Tar Heel football game. So, again, we saw history. Uh, I have a question as well. This one is from our friend Slagle. We've talked about the chaos, the defense. So where do you start? Where would you kind of – pinpoint this needs to change this is the first thing that needs to happen defensively for North Carolina to get back on the right track you can take that first VIP. uh it's a big question because I think I think they 
struggle uh, kind of at, at all three levels. But if I have to pick one, it would be the corners because it, it just doesn't look like corners can cover anything. Um, Tony Grimes, Tony Grimes has his moments. He he's, he's in position a lot. Um, should have had that one interception. He's playing 88 snaps with, with somebody like storm duck who storm duck. I, I, I don't want to really try to make assumptions, but he just doesn't look like he's fully healthy. He's, you've seen two plays that Jason uh, Staples has highlighted in back-to-back weeks where he's playing five yards off a receiver. He's losing at the line. He he's getting outrun. He's in the, the trail chase position for the entire part. And he he's still playing 88 snaps. Somebody like legend Cavazos comes in in the uh, that like third and long package with Will Hardy and chase Bryce, no fear going after somebody like Legend Cavazos coming into the game. They get 41 yards. Uh, sets up the next play is the uh, – I think the next play was um, the the tackle that Ra-Ra Dilworth missed. Um, but it's it's just the corners. The corners – it between uh, Musa in week zero and Chase Bryce in week one, it doesn't look like any quarterbacks have any fear going up against UNC's corners. They they think they're going to get the matchups they want on the outside. If if they're lined up in the slot, they think they could just outrun everybody. And the quarterbacks, a lot of the throws, the quarterbacks are are putting them right on the money, kind of like Coach Shizik said. But you you look at what Musa does in in week one against Jackson State, another FCS team. And he looks like a completely different quarterback. Somebody on the board made me laugh when they said Musa looks like a, a quarterback that plays on Sundays. And since the game was uh, on Sunday yesterday, uh, they, they were like, I, I guess you guys were right. He is a, a Sunday quarterback. Uh, but that's about the only sense that he, he's a Sunday quarterback. Um, so for me, it, w- it would be the corners. Well, here here's the issue, and Adam, and you can take it from here. Let me Musa, add what Chip just said. If you, okay. if you don't mind, Tommy, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no. yeah, like I agree on the Storm Duck assessment about possibly, you know, not looking fully healthy. And I mean, Tony Grimes was coming off a concussion. You know, he yep. told us today. I I I asked the question today. Uh, you know, you went out eight. I think he played eight plays against Florida AM. He gets dinged up. He's gone. Um. You know, early in the week last week, you the feeling was he wasn't going to be able to play against App, and then he progressed and was able to play against App. And I just asked him a question today: How did your recovery go? Were you surprised at how quickly your your recovery went? And he actually said the words: Yeah, I got through my concussion protocol. So there you go. It was a concussion on Grimes, which it you know looked like we all knew. By the way, he tried to make that tackle against Florida A and M, but you got Tony Grimes coming off a concussion. You got Storm Duck coming off two years worth of injuries. Um, I'm not sure where Dante Balfour was Saturday, um, but that's just to add to what what Vip was saying about the corners. I mean, you might have had two guys at less than their best, you know, just in terms of health wise. So, and that sort of leads me back to where I was going: is you got to get pressure on the quarterback, right? Yeah. I mean, Chase Bryce struggles with pressure. When Duke couldn't block anybody last year, he stunk. Musa last week or, or against Carolina looked great with no pressure. Against Jackson State, they sent people after him all day. It was a different level. He stunk. 
that's my issue with this defense is if you are you got struggles at corner, whether they're injured or concussed or just not good enough, um, you got issues sometimes at linebacker missing tackles. Vip, where's the pressure from Chiswick? I know Chiswick's MO is – I know what he plays, and Jason's talked about it a ton on these podcasts, as have we all. But at some point, and maybe it happens this week against Georgia State, you got to change things up because – they're going to get cooked. Any college quarterback can make those throws, and Chase Bryce was on. That throw he made to make it 55-56 um, right there in front of us, that little corner route, it was a dime. And then the one to get him in the 60s, it was another dime. But he's doing it with nobody in his face. Drake Mays having to do it with guys draped all over him. Vip, do you think there's any chance that Chiswick changes his way here and starts to – manufacture some pressure because the front four are not getting it from whatever for whatever reason i think there there were some instances where chiswick was um a mo- more willing to dial up the pressure like anytime Ra Ra dilworth is in the game Ra Ra's not in there to cover people he's not in there to uh be in run support he's he's almost there exclusively to be a pass rush guy. And I think App State caught Carolina a couple of times in in those third and long situations. Everybody and their moms are thinking this is going to be a pass year. And they they catch you with a draw. They catch you with some kind of uh, action to to counter uh, the personnel that you're bringing into the game. So as a result, I think Carolina goes back to the more the more base packages that they have and just trying to send four and it, it's it's really not working sending four. Um, I think I think you're you're going to need to see somebody like Kamon Ruckermore, who who's I think Carolina's most consistent guy getting pressure on the quarterback. Even though you you look at him and he he, he really shouldn't be beating uh, tackles with with his his body, but you know he, he's a he's a hard over height guy and just always always finds his um always finds a way to get to the quarterback but uh i i don't think i don't think you're going to see like these exotic blitz packages but you do have some situations where uh you will see some guys like Ra Ra dilworth used as uh exclusively as pass rushers let's talk about how much of this is uh on the players themselves adam to, to get it in gear a little bit. Somebody on the on the chat said, I'd love to see you guys play football. Well, Vip did. You know, he was on the team under this defensive staff. Um, but another guy that played pretty good um, in his time was Julius Peppers. And he had something to say on Twitter about um, the players need to stand up. Adam, at what point is that a thing um, that needs to really occur um, guys need to get, like Mac basically said, grow up and, and act like you've been there before. But not only that, give effort every play, every second of every play, kind of like Des Evans did. He didn't play great, but he was hustling, and Cayman Rucker does seemingly every time he's on the field. Where are we at in that sort of evolution of what's going on here? Just quickly to answer my man Jack, who's asking a question over here about, for the love of God, ask about – we have asked about Conley. Uh, he uh, – J.Q. Conley, I mean, he what he, he tore his ACL in at the end of November against Wofford, the the regular season finale at home. Um, I think the last update we got on him 
was just before the season opener. So what, two weeks ago? I mean, that's a, that's a, what that's a 10 month injury. Um, you know, I don't know if VIP can speak more clearly to that, but I think, you know, it's a, it's a 10 month injury. Now guys can usually get back out there. So I think October would be, uh, the hopeful for, for yeah. Conley. I don't know if, I don't know if they've actually given us a timeline, but, um, you know, that's when you tear the ACL. I mean, you're not going to be back at the at the end of one season. You're not going to be back for the start of the next season. Um, but I don't know. What are you talking about, Tommy? A kind of bet? Are, are we going to talk about the offense at all? Like, what are we going to do? Not yet. We'll get to the offense because there's a ton to talk about. But I'm talking about these players. Right. Um, have got to step up. And, and and I'll go a step further with that. You sort of get what you allow. To Vip's point, he said guys were making plays, not good plays, and they were playing 88 snaps or whatever. I believe Ohio State safety, and I know Ohio State's a different talent level, um, and I can't call his name. He bombed the first play and and got burnt on the first play of the game against Notre Dame, and he didn't see the field the rest of the game <laughs> and sat. That's how somebody asked in the, on the thread on the message board, um, how much is talent in the bench as a motivator? What do you think, Adam? Putting on spot again. Well, uh, well, I, that's that's totally fine. Um yeah, I mean, uh, well, they say, you know, if you listen, if you're listening to Mac and Gene, they say they want to play more guys. You know, they were saying that Gene said that they, Gene said it's a priority to get more guys on the field. So um, I don't know what you're going to do there. I think back, when we went back to a question a couple questions ago. I mean, I think when Vip was trying to pick between the front four or the corners or the, the secondary, I'm just surprised, quite frankly, at to me, to my naked eye, of how mediocre the front four has looked. Or I don't know if that's the right – mediocre is the right word, but I, I expected more, I guess. Maybe I did drink the Kool-Aid that they were telling me um, or, or feeding me. But um, I expected more out of the front four. Now, again, you know, this was a game in Boone where the Tar Heels trailed 21-7, and then for 32 minutes, I think it was, 32 minutes of game time, they did not allow a point. Um so I don't know, you know, like it was, I, they got four straight stops and that allowed Drake main the offense to come back and to go from that, from losing 21 to seven to winning 41, 21. It was 34 unanswered points that Carolina reeled off. Um, and then obviously it just, you know, it went off the rails in the fourth quarter. Um, but I don't know, you know, I don't know. I do think that, uh, the Georgia State game. I think we're going to see an improved defense. I think Carolina's going to play well Saturday. I mean, maybe I'm nuts, but that's what I think. Um, I think the Georgia State, the way they they're kind of an RPO team, run heavy team. Um, I don't think we're going to see thir- 376 passing yards and six passing touchdowns from the opposing quarterback this Saturday. But if we do, it could be a really bad scene. Yeah, I think I think the most worrying thing is that Carolina shuts out app for that like 31 minute stretch it's the defense does deserve a bit of credit for allowing Carolina to get back in the game and the only reason they had to get back in the game was they scored the first three possessions that they were on the field but then I I can't remember who it was in the post game interviews where they was like yeah we kind of just got a, a bit too complacent on the defense and it's like the this was this is all stuff that was supposed to be addressed in the offseason like how is a team that's one and zero in a hostile environment 
in a game that everybody has almost predicted you to lose, saying that a team has gotten complacent when when it's like this this team it, it it's all it's all been about you know proving that you guys are a lot better than a lot of people say you are. Like they came in overhyped last year and this was kind of their chance all off season proving that you know, th- that they do belong at the ACC title level. And then you have a guy week two saying that the defense kind of got complacent. I-, I think that was probably the most disheartening thing that I heard about the defense. And then, you know, they, they started the game bad and it was, it was a fourth quarter from hell. Mac pointed out that uh, just to add to that, Matt pointed out, you know, Cedric Gray gets the interception late in the third quarter. Uh, and a lot of things are going right for Carolina's defense. Carolina's got a short field. Uh, in that situation, and he said he looked up, and they were all celebrating. The defense was all celebrating with the crowd. That was something that Mac was underlining with a fine point: is like, look, we got an interception in that situation. We shouldn't be all over there partying, uh, you know, with the crowd. We should get off the field and you know let the offense get after it. So, anyway. yeah, and you saw you saw that too with the Bryson Nesbitt return, where it's like, I think the most encouraging thing for North Carolina is that they won this game because it it's like it's moments like this where you realize like what it really takes to get over the hump and go back in the locker room and celebrate. Like I, I have no problem with the, the dancing af- after a game like that, because it's really hard to win at the college level. And I think when you do win a game like this, you, you deserve all the moments to celebrate. Um, but I think the more times North Carolina can win close games, the more you would see less, less and less of the, you know, the excessive celebrations and it's like, it's like, a act like you act like you've been there before, but on the field. Cause once, once you're in the locker room, celebrate, go crazy. Uh, the players work too hard to, to not enjoy those moments. Yeah. I think that was, I think that it was just a brief little window into what was ended up happening in the fourth quarter. I think they thought it was over or, you know, like we're kind of like, you know, stepping on their throats here. We got, you know, like we, stop after stop, and here we have got a pick, and we have a short field, and I think that um, if you go back and look at that, that kind of was where it started to tail off the uh, the deep end. Very similar to the reaction after the field goal in Raleigh last year, last November. Um, That's a good point. And, and, uh, but to Truth Seeker 23's point, and, and this is uh, this was a great point, and, and this is, we've talked about this earlier in the season, the schedule is ideal to get this mess out of them. Now, will they? We'll see. But, um, you know, they got to win against Florida A&M. They got to win at App. Um, they've got to learn. And they learned, and to Vip's point, they learned and still got to win, um, which they're extremely lucky to do it. So maybe to flip switches between these two games. To Drew Krebs' point, uh, Carolina's playing an App because they set the schedule like that. They did a two-for-one um, with App, and they – they had to go take the one, and, and the second of two will be next year. And uh, they just don't have the money or won't spend the money to pay G5 teams to come to Keenan Stadium all the time. Um, SEC can do that. It's just like Jason said in the day after. Alabama's not going to Troy. Not happening. But Troy will come to Alabama, you know, every year for a million dollars and that's how it works i don't have a problem with them playing the app it was awesome up there it was a great environment um give me that college football environment every saturday um in chapel hill um and it'll be just 
the greatest thing ever. I mean, it was a it was a fun time. Carolina got the win, and the they've only, got to was, learn from it. I was going to say the only time you'll see Nick Saban and Troy is if there's a five star recruit that lives there. <laughs> really, and he's over there getting some nana pudding or something. <laughs> and, and and before I get out off the defense, Vip thought the game was over and almost pulled me over the rail um, onto the field there. Oh, and, and something that I wanted to say is how hot I don't know if I is. pulled you over or if your gravity that was pulling you over. <laughs> <laughs> the dude beside me, it was an App State guy, and he had a cowgirl girlfriend, and I thought he went over. I saw the bottom of his feet um, hanging over the rail. It was hilarious. See, no one was focused. I mean, that's what we're <laughs> yeah. no from. Act like you've been there, yeah. But And that's the point. These guys haven't. Yeah. This defense hasn't. And uh, they were there for two quarters. Jason says, you know, apps shot themselves in the foot more so than Carolina stopped them. But the bottom line is, is they were effective for those two quarters. And it's not like Gene Chizik was calling something different. So it's on the players and the coaching staff to get it worked out. Georgia State may be an elixir. We'll find out. I know one team that won't be, and it'll be Notre Dame. Let's take a break. Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. They're sponsors of this podcast. I'll even mention Blue Shirt Vodka. They're sponsors as well. And also shout out to Johnny T-Shirt for their 10% all for Inside Carolina Premium subscribers. Alumni owned and operated. Take care of them on Franklin Street. They take care of us all the time. Go see them or order it online and get your stuff. National Guys Pay the Bills on the audio version on the beat live. It's about 930 in the east. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, boys, back with On The Beat Live, uh, 928 Eastern Time. Shout out to the few hundred folks that are watching us on YouTube live. Um, Adam, let's talk about this guy, this, this quarterback. And, mm. and, and we've talked about him a lot. And I want to, I want to talk about him in, as in not in the past, but what's coming. I mean, he is good. Some of those throws he made, and that's one thing about sitting in an end zone um, that I really love, is you can really see the windows that he's throwing into. Um, y'all talked to him today. What did he have to say after he'd had an opportunity to marinate on his performance at App? Because I thought he was, other than the fumble, just fantastic. I'm loving the comments over here. Like my guy Andrew's asking if Ross is working the dog at, uh, the dog at the door at Pantana Bob's. There we go. P-Bob's. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> he had a previous engagement, I was told. Um, but uh, hey, yeah, these 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 uh these comments. I love the comments over here. You people are great. Um, Drake May. Uh, 
okay, I will talk about him for the next 35 minutes. I mean, the, he's great. I mean, there's been we played two games. Um, I don't know if anybody saw. I wrote a I wrote a very glowing uh, day after column about him. Um, I mean, good lord, man. Uh, I, I someone asked a question over here. You know, do you think Carolina could win a shootout with Notre Dame? I yeah, I do. I mean, I don't know if they could stop Notre Dame, but uh, yeah. I mean, this is. I mean. Who's stopping Drake May? I mean, I guess we're going to see as the season goes on, obviously, uh, and people, you know, dig into what he's doing and get a better look at him. But, I mean, think about this. UNC doesn't have Josh Downs. They obviously didn't have Antoine Green. Uh, you've got just a bunch of, with the exception of Kamari Morales and DJ Jones, you got nothing but just freshmen and sophomores running around out there. That's it. With a freshman quarterback who's starting his second game, and playing his first game on the road. Oh, by the way, UNC hasn't won a road game since December of 2020. Uh, oh, by the way, App is 42 and seven in Boone. At, you know, like they have like the fifth best home record in the FBS or something over the last five years. I mean, Drake May is the truth. <laughs> you saw the look on Sam Howell's face, right? Like, um, I mean, and it's interesting. One of the things I asked him today was coming out of the Florida AM game. We, we talked about, wow, this is a great debut. You know, we talked to Phil Longo. We talked to Drake. What, you know, we know all the things you did great. What were some of the things that you wanted to work on? And they both quickly said footwork uh, coming out of uh, FAMU. They thought maybe his feet were a little jittery. I thought just watching, I'm sure Vip can break it down better than I can, but I thought watching it that, you know, the subtle sliding in the pocket, uh, you know, there's a, a couple, he moved a couple ways to just avoid some pressure the sidearm throw one time. I mean, they were just like subtle movements that he made that spoke to exactly what they were talking about coming out of Florida A&M. Uh, I asked him about it today, and he's like, yeah, I was pretty pleased with my fo footwork, which is a big admission from him because he's a, a perfectionist nitpicker. Um, but, I mean, good Lord. Kobe Paysauer had one career catch. He had eight catches for 92 yards the other day. You know, I mean um, – that offense looks great. Let the, the you know I know Amorian Hampton didn't do much, but you know the speed of Petaway, the power of Caleb Hood, uh, and Drake doesn't mind taking a hit. That's another thing I might try to write about this week. Is um, I asked him if he feels different on Sundays when he wakes up now. Like you know last year Sam Howell's taking every snap, uh, and he said yeah you know his his back was hurting and his his uh, legs were hurting a little bit this Sunday when he woke up. Vip. I mean, the guy makes throws. The question is, somebody asked, is it transferable to a, a big-time P5 game? I mean, that's the ultimate question, right? He handled the pressure against App, and App got pretty consistent pressure on him. Granted, um, it would be a little bit different when it's um, a front line or, or defensive line and linebackers like Notre Dame, but uh, do you think watching him that it's really it, – it'll just be the same? Uh, other talented, more talented players, but the windows he's putting the ball in, um, I don't think it matters who's defending those receivers. And the receivers are doing great at, at getting open and making the catches. Yeah, the, the first real test for this Carolina offense is, is going to be that Notre Dame game where they're, they're going to be going up against athletes that are comparable or, or even better than they are. We saw that uh, last year when North Carolina went to Notre Dame and it – was a great offense, but 
when when they're going up against that kind of size and speed, a lot of things don't fly. But when it comes to Drake May specifically, I think his skills are are transferable. I, I I'm not too concerned about him going up against a team like Notre Dame. I'm concerned about Carolina's offensive line going up against a team like Notre Dame. And as a result, that can make it a lot tougher for Drake. But in terms of like what Drake does, he he does a great job of identifying pressure. He does a great job of evenly distributing the ball to where uh, if somebody in, in comparison, like last year, almost 80% of Sam Howell's passes were going to Josh Downs. When Drake May is lined up, defenses have no idea where he's going. You know, Kobe Pesor has eight receptions. J.J. Jones has four receptions. Nesbitt, three. D.J. Jones, two out of the backfield. Gavin Blackwell, one. Uh, but Blackwell also had a, a pretty big pass interference. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Blackwell who drew the pass interference. You look at the week before against Florida A&M, and it's like it's the same thing. And the, the thing that I really like about Drake that maybe I, I didn't know that he – he had in his bag is his ability as a runner. I think he has the, you can go to him in, in design runs, but with his footwork, he also has the, the timing down to know when to give up on a play and when, when to go get yards, because a a lot of the times in the fourth quarter, I'm pretty sure app was doing a lot better job of covering the receivers and making a lot of the windows tighter, but they, they could not contain Drake when, when Drake broke the pocket and, and Drake's legs were a big reason for a lot of that clock getting chewed up towards the end. Think about this, just to quickly jump on that. It, he completed passes to 10 different guys against Florida A&M. And then Saturday at, at, at App, if you take away the Nesbitt special teams touchdown, UNC scored seven touchdowns and seven different guys scored them. You know, I mean, like, everybody is involved uh right now at least through two two weeks i mean seven different guys um so go ahead johnny john let me make a comment it's about the transferable stuff and to vip's point and your point adam there what did michael carter and javante williams do against notre dame in keenan stadium in 19 not uh much. nothing not a whole lot because i can't oh, yeah. No, they got, <laughs> and I mean, that's the lines got manhandled. Therein lies the rub: is how good Carolina's offensive line can hold up against Notre Dame. I think the receivers are good enough to get open, I, and obviously Drake May is good enough to make plays. And again, the the windows that he puts the balls in, um, but can the line hold up? That'll be the big test. Go ahead, John B. Yeah, to build on that point, I think the way that the schedule has set up. It was really imperative, though, that UNC found someone who could compete in that Notre Dame game and put their best foot forward. It's it's a little bit of revisionist history, but you know, just as far as two weeks ago, there was a big question mark at quarterback for North Carolina. You know, depending on who you talk to after the spring, Jacoby was in the lead, perhaps, for the starting quarterback job. So it's credit to the staff and and to UNC's talent evaluators to put Drake May in that position uh, to be the starting quarterback. He's going to have these three games to, to work out some of the kinks, to, to get some experience, and then he's going to go kind of put UNC's offense in the best position it can be against Notre Dame. So I think it's, it's important to remind ourselves that, like, the goal of these three games for UNC's offense was to find that quarterback. They've done that. They found the quarterback. It's Drake May. Now just let him loose against Notre Dame and see what happens. 
Yeah, 80, 80% of offense in football is, do I have a quarterback? And, and North Carolina left Boone with the resounding answer of, yes, they do have a quarterback, and, and he is pretty good. Yeah, if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have much. I mean, there's been teams that have won without a quarterback, but it's like uh, all-time defenses, like elite, elite defenses. And uh, let's talk about going into this Georgia State game, and I want to get both of y'all's take on this. Vip, you from a former guy um, that's been in these locker rooms, and Adam, you like me, um, you've covered a lot of it. What are the what are the two coaching staff saying to the players? The defensive coaching staff and the offensive coaching staff, because like I wrote um, in the Letterman's thing article or the title, tale of two sides of the ball, <laughs> but it's one team going down to Atlanta. Adam, I'm going to let you be uh, first here. If you're Longo, what are you telling your guys? Just more of the same? And if you're Chiswick, what are you telling your guys? You know, I mean, that's, that is – I think the offense can be better. The defense has to be better. So, what are, where's coming from the coaching staff here? If you're Phil Longo, just patting him on the back. Good job, guys. Let's keep it going. Like, <laughs> Ross and I actually did a video, a highly acclaimed – critically acclaimed videos that we do on Monday. Um <laughs> with no rehearsal, obviously, but uh, that I mean, you know, when when we talked to the coordinators on Monday, you know, they couldn't have it couldn't have been more of a contrast, obviously, because you got Phil Longo rolling in off 56 points and 63 points and Gene Chiswick rolling in, you know, exactly uh, the, the polar opposite, obviously. Um, but, you know, I mean, heck, if you're Phil Longo, I don't well, why would you mess with a thing? You know, it was, he. He had an interesting comment. We were asking him this week about the running back rotation because they said we're going to try to play the hot hand. And as we all saw, DJ Jones started the opener. Omarion Hampton started Saturday. But then, you know, he was kind of out of the mix. And Petaway and, you know, Jones and Caleb Hood were in the mix. And he made a comment. You know, it's almost like you have a whole bunch of toys to play with when he was talking about uh, Carolina's skill positions, which I think we all would agree with that. But, um, you know – I mean, if you listen to Gene, he says, you know, we know what we got to get fixed. We've addressed it. We have accountability Sunday where everybody's held accountable. And uh, now it's just a matter of going out there on the field and doing it. So, I mean, these from a from a offense defense, it couldn't be any more any more different. Um, so, but to go back to the the schedule, I mean, like I've at my old place, I was writing about this when the schedule came. I've been writing about this for for months now, like the. The schedule allows, um, was always going to allow Carolina to try to settle in. You know, you had the opportunity to settle in. You didn't have an opener in Blacksburg like you did last season. You know, you're able to play the FCS. You got the two group of fives. You should be 3-0 and coming out of the first three weeks. Then you got a bye week, and you should be all systems go for Notre Dame if, if you know, if things play out the way you would think they would play out. Um, but the coordinators, I mean, geez, Louise. <laughs> two, two, two vastly opposite things happening there. How about funny, Phil Longo? Huh? When does when does Phil Longo get to take his his victory lap? Because he has done this now for four straight seasons in Chapel Hill. It's a little bit like the quote Tony Stark building something with a box of scraps. I mean, he's taking freshmen and sophomores, as we've talked about, in a quarterback in his second start, and he kept this basically football season alive. You know, Gene uh, Chiswick was talking about 
there were lots of thank yous, perhaps <laughs> even a kiss provided from Chiswick to, to Longo for saving the season. So I think we should also mention in all of this talk, Phil Longo deserves a humongous uh, accolades for putting together another you know, masterful offensive performance for the Tar Heels. And he's trying to figure it out, too, because Omarion Hampton and George Petaway haven't played a college game. They were just in high school, you know. Like, he's trying to figure out what he has, you know. Like, you know, he knows um, what these guys look like in practice and what they're supposed to be. Um, and, you know, you got Gavin Blackwell, Kobe Paysauer. You know, these are redshirt freshmen. J.J. Jones, sophomore. I mean, you have all these things, these parts and pieces that uh, – you know what you hope they're going to be down the road, but I mean, you got to stick them in there in front of a record crowd in Boone with people hanging off the side of the mountain. You know what I mean? Like, uh, oh, by the way, with a guy, you know, in Drake May who's making his second start. So, yeah, like, yeah, I mean, I think Phil, Phil Longo has got it rolling really well right now. And I think it's a credit to to what they've built. I think Vip made the comment, what, plug and play? Is that, isn't that what you said, Vip? I think? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He, he has to replace Sam Howell. He has to replace Josh Downs or they're missing Josh Downs. It, it really doesn't matter with this offense. They're, they're going to be a, a top 25 offense. Uh, somebody, somebody made the comment to me. Yeah. If your plug and play option is, is Drake may, I mean, yeah, that's a good point. But at the same time, who who's coaching Drake may <laughs> like if, if you're a Carolina fan and you're wasting any breath complaining about this Carolina offense and complaining about, the production you've gotten from Phil Longo, you're wasting your breath at this point. But Tommy, I I I wrote down uh, the two messages that I would have if I was both coordinators. So I I I came prepared. Uh, Coach Chizik, I think Coach Chizik is highlighting that middle portion of the game and, and showing the defense how close they are because right now the defense is hearing about how bad they are, how bad the fourth quarter was. Um, how they're 112th in the country in total defense compared to an offense that is seventh. And the defense right now understands that they're the thing that's kind of holding this team back from, from taking that next step as a program. Um, so I think a lot of the messaging that you're going to get from coach Chizik is how close the defense is. Now he's going to show them, you know, where, the, where they went wrong and how to correct what they did. But for the most part, I think, if you're him, you're emphasizing that if if you guys listen and you you trust what my scheme is doing, because it's not a scheme problem. If you if you trust the scheme, he's going to put you in positions to succeed. We saw it in, in 2015. We saw it in 2016 that this even even with his Ben don't break defense, it should be a defense that gets you in the top half of the country. And like I said in the preseason prediction pod. That's really all Carolina should be hoping for. I, I think the the top twenty five defense hope was always going to be a pipe dream when you're coming from a defense that was in the the hundreds. Um, and then Phil Longo's offense is, I mean, Phil Longo's message is, uh, "Hey, we might need to score sixty again, so be ready." Yeah, I mean, it's like, "Hey, boys, we get to score sixty again. Let's go." I mean, how how much more fun can that be? They, I, I uh, think that yeah, I think that's what he's doing. I think he's getting this team prepared to to win the shootouts. I, I and and I'll the, say shout the, out to Buck Sanders. He said when, on that preseason prediction pod that there'd be more than one shootout, quite a few shootouts. And I was like, no, nah, they won't have. I bought that Kool Aid and, and drank it. 
and uh, did not believe that. I still can't get over the game Saturday. Go ahead, Adam. No, you and me both, Tommy. You and me both. I mean, <laughs> it was it's bizarre. It felt like I was watching old Pac-12 after dark or something. <laughs> By um, the way, I, I mean, what I was a game. the only one. I was the only one to to pick App State, so I'm the first loser of the preseason prediction pod. But I would counter. Was I really wrong? Because when you look at that game, I mean, I think I had the right idea by picking App State. You do, uh, yeah. If, if you will, bet that over, they could have played the fourth quarter and you would have won the over. I want right. to – yeah. I want to say for all the Carolina fans that are, you know, ripping their eyes out watching that defense, I just want to put it in perspective and say you could be watching Iowa football. And if you watch that game, 7-3 to three against South Dakota State, yeah, South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits. Uh, they win 7-3. That seven's not a touchdown. It's a field goal and two safeties. So <laughs> I, I will take 63 over 61 if I'm Carolina over a 7-3 punt fest any day of the week. Yeah, and the two safeties were legitimate safeties. Yeah, They punted like from the – South Dakota 37 and pinned them deep and then got a safety on them. So, yeah, that's I, I watched that game uh, on the highlights. I subjected myself to, to watching the condensed version of that game. And I knew two safeties were coming. And every South Dakota State drive started inside the five-yard line. I'm like, oh, here it comes. And, <laughs> and they'll get like three yards punt from the uh, the punter. His, his heels are in the end zone. Uh, and I was like, wow, the safeties just aren't coming. And then eventually they did come. But Iowa's defense had a chance to get even even more safeties in that game. I just, That's uh, unbelievable, by the way. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I would I would not watch football. If, if my only option was watch Iowa football or not watch football at all, I'll find something else to do in my time. <laughs> Speaking of next uh, football, Adam, I take it you're going down to Georgia State. Um, just give, give us a preview of what you got coming this week for the Inside Carolina folks. And uh, how much are you looking forward to going to, uh, what, a reconfigured Turner Field to right. see Georgia State? When you said Georgia State, like that's – I was saying it a little – just a few minutes ago to the, my family members who probably don't give a crap. But, uh, like, how does that work? You know, it's it, it was Turner Field. They've – they've reconfigured it it's a seating capacity of twenty five thousand. now is what it says um looks like they just blew out the i guess the right left field wall and and made the field i don't know we'll see yeah i mean uh i mean georgia state like i look i expect i said last week that carolina would beat app state 34 31 so i was just a little bit off um i i mean i was Close in one way, but not close at all in another. Uh, I've got the Tar Heels beating Georgia State 48-27 in hot Atlanta this weekend. 48-27. Johnny Bauman, mark that down. I don't know. You don't have to. but um, It's marked. <laughs> yeah. it, it is forever in, in, enshrined in this podcast. While we were losing our minds uh, in Boone trying to make sense of, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I looked at Ross and I said, all right, Let's take stock of what happens. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're trying to like actually mentally understand it. You want to talk about a difficult assignment getting out that uh, story at the buzzer. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> Georgia State acquitted itself pretty well against South Carolina. They lost 35-14 last week in Columbia. Um, 
but they outgained South Carolina. They gave up two special teams touchdowns. Uh, I believe they led the game at one point, like 14 to 12 or some kind of funky score. Um, I could be wrong about that, but I know they outgained them. Uh, and, you know, they've been to three straight bowls. They've won two straight bowls. I do think UNC will win the game um, convincingly, but um, that's a pretty good program down there. And somebody made the comments over here, but they, these fans know what they're talking about. Our, our loyal supporters know what they're talking about. It's it's kind of an App State light. You have Sean Elliott as the coach of Georgia State. He spent a long time as an App State assistant coach back in the Jerry Moore FCS glory days, Armani Edwards. Um, you know, Sean Clark played on the teams that Sean Elliott coached. Sean Clark is the App State coach. Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, it's Mac said it. You know, Mac can, Mac can sell you anything. Mac said we were the uh, biggest game in the history of App State football in terms of a home game. Now we're going to be the biggest game in the history of Georgia State because they've never had a Power Five come down there and play a, a game uh, at their place. Um, and I think someone asked the question about, you know, how do these games get on the schedule? I believe – what I heard was that this was sort of a Larry Fedora uh, concoction where he wanted to go get a game in Atlanta, you know, for recruiting purposes. Um, I think that's what sort of the whole thought process was behind putting a, it's a home and home with Georgia state. So it's not like it's a two for one where app comes back to Chapel Hill next year. It's just a home and home. And this is the end of that, that series. So. North Carolina does have 13 players from Georgia on its roster, so maybe a little bit of a homecoming game for some on the roster. Absolutely. Vip, uh, and somebody mentioned Turner Field was Olympic Stadium right. and then a baseball stadium, and now it's a football stadium. That's a, that's a lot of renovation costs. Vip, on, on Sunday morning when I do the day after podcast um, with Jason Staples and Buck Sanders, what am I talking about after this Georgia, State, Georgia State-Carolina game? If I had a guess, it, it's it's going to be a close game. The, the line opened up at nine. It's down to seven, and that's entirely due to the fact that nobody thinks Carolina's defense can stop a team, even, even if they can't throw the ball um, consistently because North Carolina's defense has had the tendency to make quarterbacks um, look significantly better in, in games against the Tar Heels. Um, but I think you're, you're still talking about a North Carolina win on Sunday. I, I, I can't see it being close. Um, this, the same team North Carolina played last year, uh, they beat them pretty bad. But I remember my biggest takeaway from that game was with the defense and being like, if, if, um, if Georgia State had a quarterback that could throw and could be accurate, that that game was a lot closer than the final score um, indicated. But I, I, I still don't see them having enough of a, a talent advantage to, to catch Carolina. Um, shout out my man, Quinchad Davis, coaching receivers there. Right. Love Quinchad. It, it's going to be cool to see him on the sidelines coaching against North Carolina. And I know that's going to be a pretty big moment for him. It was a 24 to, – to clarify what you're saying, it was a 24-10 UNC lead over Georgia State in the third quarter last year. 24-2 score game. And then Carolina broke it open. I think one fifty nine to twenty seven. Sam Howell ran, ran wild that day. That was one of those first days where it's like, wow, you know, you get, get scoot. Right. Yeah. But but yeah. I mean, it was a it was a two score game in the third quarter before they broke it open last year in Keenan. 
John B., let's, uh, we used to, and Adam, you're going to have to start doing this. We used to have a Greg Barnes stat of the week. John, I'll let you come in with one now um, that you're paying attention to. Adam, your homework for next week is a, is a random stat every week we do these. I can do that. Can I, I have a stat, maybe? I, yeah, I could pull up a stat, too. All right, John, you give us yours. We'll go around the table. I've got no stats. My stat that I'm keeping an eye on, Chase Bryce had 30, uh, 43 dropbacks, and UNC blitzed four times, according to Pro Football Focus. Hmm. So I'm keeping an eye on that number against Georgia State. I know they're a run-heavy offense, but we're expecting a shootout. They're probably going to be passing the ball more. Will UNC bring more pressure and get more pressure on Georgia State's quarterback? That's what I'm keeping an eye on this Saturday. Georgia State's quarterback was what, 7 for 29 against South Carolina? Something like that. Vip, what's your stat? My stat is Rake May's QBR, 93.7. It is sixth in the Power Five, first in the ACC. Uh, you look at the list of the who's who's in, in the ACC, a lot of people expected this to be a pretty good year for the quarterbacks in the ACC. It's Drake May leading the way at one, Jordan Travis at two, Riley Leonard coming out of nowhere at three in that destruction of Temple. And then uh, I'm just saying uh, there's a couple of guys that were uh, preseason picks for uh, down I-40 in Raleigh checking in at 11th. So 30, 36.8 QBR. Uh, for the quarterback in Raleigh, 93.7 for Drake May. So uh, it looks like Carolina's got a good one. And got to give credit to Jason Staples. Jason was the the leader in, in that saying that Carolina had nothing to be worried about at the quarterback position. And he believed that at the end of the year, uh, Drake May was going to be in the conversation for all ACC honors. And it's looking like uh, it's early, but Drake May looks looks pretty good. And, uh, I think North Carolina is in a better quarterback spot than a lot of teams. I, I think Clemson would trade uh, Drake May for, for DJ right now if, if they could. Oh, yeah. I think Klubnik will be the quarterback. Look, my stat of the day, Darren Granger, Georgia State passing against South Carolina, 7 for 29, 111 yards, 3.8 yards um, per completion, one touch, one INT, 47.4 are we going over under on that on Saturday? We'll see what oh, happens. Uh, it'll be an interesting game. I think Carolina wins the game. We'll talk more about it with Greg Barnes and Jason Staples on Thursday on the Game Plan Podcast Live, and then Joey Powell and myself in studio, WCHL on Inside Carolina Live. Adam, you you calling in? So get down to Atlanta. I've got my stat. Do you want my stat? Oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and bring us one. I was going to give you, you a week. I mean, you know, I get accused of uh, – Taking too many notes. Uh, let's see. Uh, where is it? I just lost it. Okay. Uh, we know nine touchdown passes for Drake May through the first two games of the season. No one has done that. In the ACC, no one has done that. Uh, that's not been done since 2000. So, uh, and I think there's another one that um, the only ACC player that has been responsible for more touchdowns through his team's first two games of a season is Lamar Jackson. I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, so those, one of those games was Carolina. Wasn't it? Yeah, unfortunately. Those would be two of mine. <laughs> also, uh, shout out my guy John Thorpe over here with the Burlington Cummings reference. I love it. My heart is full, John Thorpe. 
wherever you might be. I love the reference. Thank you very much. I don't know if that was for me or not, but I definitely got Burlington Cummings over there in the comments. Hey, if Chucky Burnett was playing for Cummings, or uh, what was it, Daniel Davis, Georgia Tech quarterback, didn't he play Johnny for Davis. You got Johnny Chucky Burnett, right? Yeah. But uh, interesting. Let me ask you a question, Vip, and then we got to go. I'm trying to run it out to 10 o'clock since that's our hour time limit. But Terrell Conley hit me up on Twitter, Vip, and said, over or under – Drake May touchdowns 40. Now we had it at 30 on the podcast and I went over. Do do we do we need to up that number by by 10 or is it still too early for that? Was it 40 passing or 40 total? 30, 40 total. If I had to right now, I, I would take the over. He he's a lot better of a running threat than I thought. Um where he, he can um kind of get some of those touchdowns back from from the running backs. Uh, his, his ability to distribute the ball. He's not really targeting in on anybody, but um, I, I would go over. He He's on a, a pace that we really haven't seen before. It's going to be interesting to see once once you get to conference play and once teams start to get more tape on him. Um, but with his ability to see over the line at 6'4 and identify what pressures are coming, he's a, a true student of the game, as Phil Longo says, but um, – I think Drake May is a guy who, when defenses try to get a step ahead, he, he always has that extra step on them. Yeah, listen to Drake when he talks about growing up with two older brothers that whipped his tail daily and uh, made him as tough as he is now. If you're if you're an older brother, go beat your little brother up. And uh, he might turn into Drake May. Yeah, <laughs> he might be Drake May one day. My Guys, little brother's six seven. Your little brother six seven. Yeah. Wow. Yes. So, I will, what happened? I'm the run at six three, six three run of the family. I would kill to be a six three run. <laughs> um, he's a mountain to climb, but I, I mean, I could. There's no problem taking him. Hey, Adam, real quick before we get out of here, Adam, how many times did you rewrite your story on Saturday? I know you've got it ready to go when the when the clock is is done. You know what? I mean, I actually have a funny story about that. The way you said that, John, was if you all remember the NCAA tournament in basketball uh, and you remember the game that UNC beat Baylor. I don't know if you remember the details of that game, <laughs> of how they were blowing them out. And, you know, anyway, I got into the post game that day in Fort Worth, Texas, obviously my computer in my lap, uh, hammering away. And Armando Baycott comes in, looks directly right at me. I guess because I was probably looked like uh, death, you know, and he's like, how many times you done rewrote that story? And I was like, four times, I think, Armando, you know, like, I mean, he was just, he was making fun of me. But John, to answer your question, when it was 41-21, I had it in a very good place. I had, <laughs> I, everything was so good. Like, I, well, not, I mean, it might not have been the best written story ever, but it was, it was done. It was ready. It was uh, instant analysis. UNC answers challenge at App State. You know, he's talking about, you know, Drake Mays first start on the road, the whole thing, you know, record crowd. And then, you know, I lost, you know, the game lost its grip on reality and I lost my grip on uh, the instant analysis. And I did. It was, I'm moving stuff up and down and all around. You know, I thought when they lined up, App lined up to go for two, I'm like, geez, I, this might be a loss. You know, like, you know, you're writing about a win, you know. Um, I don't know. That's uh, that's why we get paid the medium-sized bucks, I guess. The medium-sized bucks. Y'all do the, the like best Slagle said, best in the business inside Carolina and InsideCarolina.com. Taylor Vipolis, Adam Smith, 
John Bowman. I'm just the host, Tommy Ashley. It's been On The Beat Live every Tuesday night, 9 o'clock. Somebody will be here. Ross Martin better be here next week uh, and join us up. But if not, Vip will Wally slide Pitt. in. Wally Pitt. <laughs> I'm gone next week, so someone has to slide in for me. Someone has Uh-oh. to take the producer mantle. Okay, maybe I'll dust Gregory Hall off or something. Yeah, or have to figure out how to do this. Last time I tried to do it live, it did not go over well. (laughs) Maybe it'll be better. Guys, it's always been a pleasure. Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com are our sponsors. Join us, like I said, Inside Carolina on the web. Check out all the great content from all these guys. And join us on Thursday night live on the game plan. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 